0: Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. All right, time for another edition of Holding Court, and uh, very, very happy to have uh, just a tremendous guest on with me today, coming to me from the other side of the world. So it's nighttime for me. It's morning for Mr. Mark Dre- Dreyer, uh, who has written a book called Sporting Superpower, all about China and their uh, interest in sports and politics and, uh, and in the world or in business, Mark. And this is something that's intrigued me for uh, obviously the last couple of months with the Peng Shui story in the tennis world and then into the Olympic Games uh, that, of course, the Winter Games that went on recently this year. But you've been living this life for a long time. You've covered a lot of sports over throughout your career. You've been living in China now for well over a decade. Um, What's it like right now in China? Because they're sort of experiencing covid really a little bit what we experienced here in new york city about two years ago
1: it's bizarre it it is i I actually uh, i just escaped the mainland uh, a week ago because it just felt you know everyone was working from home Uh, my family had actually been stuck out in taiwan for the past two years because they've been unable to get visas to return because that's how how tight the border restriction has been and so i was able to rejoin them uh, it, it just it didn't make much sense to stay in beijing right uh, at the moment because as i said everyone's uh testing every single day uh compounds are sort of being locked down on a on a regular basis they're trying to do everything but a citywide lockdown you you might have seen the headlines out of shanghai which was really really messy and still ongoing there so uh beijing kind of holding the line but everyone's uh Working from home, and at that point, you know, while well, I may as well work from work from here for the next little while, and then see how things are. But it's it's a it's a tense time, I think, and and uh, for for my for my friends and colleagues who are who are still in uh, on the mainland in Beijing and elsewhere, you know, it, it's all consuming. It's every day you're looking at the the case counts and 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 what's going to happen, and can I walk outside today, and are the supermarkets going to be closed? So it's yeah it's it's really where everyone else was <laughs> kind of <laughs> 2 years ago it's it's quite bizarre What's
0: this, what's the situation Mark with the vaccine over there? I know China had their own vaccine. Uh is is the majority of the population vaccinated over there? I mean obviously we're having outbreaks here. We're having a kind of a, a upster uptick right now in the New York area throughout the country but particularly where I am just outside New York City where the percentage rates of people testing positive, just up over 10% at the moment. Now, luckily no one seems to be getting, or not no one, fewer people are getting very sick and getting in the hospitals, but what's the overall situation with the vaccine in China and where they're at as far as that's concerned?
1: Generally, it's been pretty good, Uh, but there's a couple of things to add here. Number one, the least vaccinated population is, is the elderly. They're just more skeptical. Uh, uh, historically, you know, they've lived through a lot here in China going back uh, several decades. And so they're they're not as vaccinated as the rest of the population. But, you know, China's population is 1.4 billion people. So I think they've had, you know, more than two, well over, you know, two, maybe coming up for 3 billion vaccinations at this point. Uh, But but the elderly population, the most at risk, that's the one. That's why China is so bent on, on, you know, trying to maintain this, this almost impossible COVID zero strategy. Uh, because they know that if they were to just let it rip, uh, a number of of the elderly population would 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 get sick. And and just when you extrapolate based off that one point four billion figure, which is which is you know comes into everything when it comes to China, it's just the size of the population. They would have a tough time, I think, for sure. Um, the healthcare system isn't great, uh, particularly if you get outside the major cities, and so they're aware of that as well. And then politically, you know, the the data has shown that if you have three. Uh, shots of the Chinese vaccine, you should be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, it also it doesn't stand up uh, uh, compared to some of the foreign vaccines. Now, China hasn't approved any foreign vaccines so far, and and there's definitely some political uh, uh, things at play there. And so that has been another thing that that sort of hamstrung them to and, and push them into this corner. Now, uh, I think to to allow foreign vaccines into the country would be um, sort of politically sensitive. So it's frustrating i think from a from a from a foreign perspective but that's this is kind of where china is and they've doubled down or even tripled down on on uh, trying to to stick to COVID zero, at least through the end of this year. And so that's mm. why a lot of people are asking, you know, when will China ever emerge from that? When, What? what is the path to opening up? And we just don't know.
0: Yeah. And when you talk about opening up, obviously you're talking about live sports and sporting events. So obviously the Olympics happened, you wrote your book, Sporting Superpower, again, an insider's view on China's quest to be the best. I highly Highly recommend it. You can get it on Amazon. I've been reading it over the last couple of days. Fascinating stuff. You really focus on the 2008 Olympic Games, Mark, in the summer games uh, in, in China. Obviously, it was Michael Phelps. It was Usain Bolt. You talk about being in the bird's eye for that, which I'm sure was awesome. Um, but let, let's move forward a little bit, because I, you know, I want people to get your books. They can read about this, but I, we have a limited time here. I want to get to what's happening now uh, after the Winter Olympics, of course, the Winter Olympics caused a huge stir here with the scandal of the Russian figure skater, the Peng Shui fiasco. As you know, we were covering that here day in day out for the uh, when when her story came out. So, where do you see China right now as it as is related to sports in general? Uh, the WTA. Uh, you know, saying they're not going to come back to China. It may not even matter for the short term because of what you just said, there's going to be no events. They canceled the Asian games. They canceled the World University games. Will there be any live sports, do you think, in China this year? It sounds
1: like, no, there won't. Yeah, absolutely not for, for, for 2022. In fact, just in the last few days, uh, they canceled the Asian Cup, which is basically the Asian equivalent of the Euros, the European Championships in soccer. That was scheduled for June, July next year. Now, again, they said they couldn't guarantee a fully open uh, tournament, which means you know thousands of international fans traveling between 10 uh, cities, 24 teams. So a massive uh, logistical undertaking and, and obviously miles away from where we are today in terms of covid regulations so no real surprise but yeah it's it's a depressing time i have to say you know i i came to china uh in the build-up to the 2008 olympics and 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 have been there ever since and and there have been so many highlights um as, as well as low lights and, and right now everything is just on pause it's not really even a pause button that they've just kind of hit the stop button i think you know um we don't know when things are going to open up and, and when it comes to tennis um there's two things there, particularly uh, with the, the the WTA. Number one, even if they were going to play to, uh, tournaments this year, and the ATP bizarrely still has some China tournaments on their calendar for Don't, this get, year. don't I mean, get me don't get me started on that. Well, like 100, okay, yeah. those are those are not <laughs> happening. Like <laughs> right. if they don't have a backup plan for those tournaments, that they're, no. they're really asleep at the wheel. But it, you know, COVID basically means nothing for this year, and. The longer we go on, you know, questions start to be asked about twenty twenty three as well. Then you've got the whole Peng Shui thing. So, so you know, we can get into that, but but um, that is a that is a, a, a the elephant in the room, really. The the WTA has called for some sort of resolution to that issue. They've called for an investigation. Now right. we're not going to get an investigation okay. from the Chinese side. We're not going to get an investigation from from any other side for, for for certain. And you know, the Chinese narrative now is well. It was all a misunderstanding. She's retracted these allegations. So, you know, nothing to see here. Let's move on. That's obviously not going to satisfy the WTA. So, where do we go from here? Like, I just don't know. I don't see how this gets resolved. And if the WTA backs down, there's going to be a massive backlash given the stance that they've taken on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that they can't back down at this point. But you bring up the ATP, which I've criticized multiple times for not taking action, particularly you know earlier this year in the begin, uh, end of last year when the Peng Shui situation um, came to light. So let me ask you this, Mark. Where, where do you think Peng Shui is doing right now? Like, what's her life like right now? Because we don't know. We have no idea. We were trying to follow her. We were, we saw the sh- facade that went on with the IOC and Thomas Bach, what a joke that was, but you, you live in China. And so you, you, you understand, you, you understand her a lot better than I do. So explain to me what you think is going on
1: with her right now. Look, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this with saying this is, this is entirely speculative um, and, and different people will read the same situation in different ways. And, um, it, it, my sense is that she's you know, relatively free to kind of day in day out do her thing right but but you know let's let's not be under any pretenses she's definitely been told like like what what she did you know putting putting those allegations out there in a public sphere on on Weibo the, the Chinese equivalent of Twitter against a very very senior high profile mm. chinese official that is just like absolutely completely taboo here it within 20 minutes it was fully censored and scrubbed from the internet um and so she'll be under no illusions like if she is to ever breathe word of that sort of thing again there'll be serious repercussions but the fact that she is you know, she's been paraded on this sort of farcical exhibition tour from, from pre Olympics with, with Thomas Bach and that call. Then she was even at the Eileen goo freestyle final. Like why did she need to be at (laughs) the Olympics? She's, she's, (laughs) she's a women's tennis player. Um, the other thing is she's, she's basically two years retired at this point. So we're not going to see her in a tennis context anytime soon. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she's been prevented from playing. Um, Again, it it's it's definitions of freedom. Do I think she's locked up in some in some jail cell? Probably not. Does that mean she's free? Well, it depends on your definition. Um, I, I don't imagine she's kind of locked down at home, but but she might be. She might be. And again, it's 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 um again, I'm not trying to be an apologist for for the Chinese state here. I'm just trying to give my best sense of of probably what the the top likelihood is. Does this mean this has been resolved and and, and we should all forgive and forget? Well, 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 absolutely not, but uh, I, I think there, are, I think there are the levels of freedom. Again, from a Western perspective, this mm-hmm. is probably it's probably a little bit more black and white. From a Chinese perspective, you know, being locked up, uh, um, uh, and being locked at home, there's house arrest. There's kind of like, well, you're on the watch. Uh, you're generally free to do. You've been kind of spoken to. There's there's probably a huge scale of of freedom, and again. This is speculative, but but uh, that that's probably my best assessment of 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 where she is, well, and, and others would others would disagree. But I, uh-huh. you know, I think that's probably what where 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 we are. Well, you're someone who's lived
0: there for 15 years, Mark Dreyer. Everyone again, his book is called uh, "Sporting Superpower," and in that book, you discuss obviously many athletes, many of the Chinese athletes, and the pressure they're under to perform in the Olympic games and why China has put so much into the Olympic games. And you do discuss a so Yao Ming, of course, who's well-known here in the United States, maybe the most well-known, Li Na, the great tennis champion, uh, first time, you know, the only Chinese player that's won a couple, and she won a couple of majors. And she had this amazing personality, which captivated tennis fans all over the place. You talk about um, her journey and her issues with the media and the press and sort of speaking out against the, a little bit against the Chinese coaching system and the culture in her country. I haven't heard boo from her, you know, in from, from the Peng Shui standpoint. And the, the Chinese experts that I've spoken to over the course of the last four or five months, as this came to light said, don't expect to hear from her from this
1: situation. Would you agree? absolutely absolutely i mean look again it goes back to your definition of freedom you know it, technically in the chinese constitution there is freedom of speech but that's clearly just not the case you know the internet is heavily heavily censored and it is effective censorship really does work in china and so you kind of have to you know i i think uh, people sometimes dismiss oh all the chinese population are brainwashed well you know that that's i think a, a hugely unfair accusation but mm-hmm. people uh, people uh, do form their opinions based on what they're reading, and when when you know a lot of stuff is is scrubbed or, or blocked from the internet, it, it's hard sometimes to get that more well rounded perspective. And 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 often in the West, we 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 also have a one sided perspective as well. On Li Na, you know, she is is living and working in China, so she's just not in a position to be speaking out publicly on that. That's, that's just not something that she can do. Uh, and again, people can criticize her for that, but it's not realistic. Uh, she has gone to business school. She's kind of uh, turned to to, to mm-hmm. business. She has an academy with, with Nike. Um, she's definitely kind of kept her head down a little bit, but I would expect her to be uh, closely involved with tennis uh, for many, many years. And I think just, you know, a word on Li Na, she is, she's the, you know she is probably the the best hope that we've seen for the chinese sports industry she's everything that that chinese athletes could hope to be in terms of becoming global superstars mm-hmm. you know she she had the Australian open crowd eating out of the palm of her hand when she won her second grand slam yes. 2014 with her victory speech. I don't know if you're, I was uh, there. You- I was
0: there in Melbourne. Yeah. It was <laughs> amazing.
1: I loved it. It was I mean, great. Just,
0: just like, and her you know, husband not- and her husband is a classic too. in the crowd, I
1: love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the, the jokes that she was making, yeah. people should go and look it up on, on YouTube. Like, you know, not perfect English, but perfectly good enough to, to make mm-hmm. herself understood and just hilarious. And, you know, she was, she's the best ambassador, you know, sports or otherwise that I've that I've seen from China, um, you know, in in the fifteen years that I've been here. So, so China needs more of this. The world needs more of of, of Chinese superstars like Li na And and hopefully, you know, post COVID, we can get back to that. Um, you know, there are some bright spots. Zhou uh, Guanyu is is a rookie in, in Formula One this year. Right. I actually just had him on my my podcast, the China Sports Insider podcast, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, he's from Shanghai and he can't even race. In his home Grand Prix, <laughs> he can't get out of so, his apartment. He can't get out of his house. Right. <laughs> well, he's he's. Uh. I mean, he's he's on the circuit right now. He's, he's in Spain, circuit. but okay. he can't come yeah. back to it's China. Right. Um, so that's frustrating to for you know for the growth of sports for the growth of the sports industry here. Uh, but yeah, Lena, what a story! Uh, It'll be great to see more from her. But uh, I think uh, she's probably um, you know there's, there's there's more to come from Lena sh- uh, for sure. I think
0: Mark Dreyer joining me here on Holding Court, and you know you mentioned. Um, you know, the differences of, of the viewpoints, the opinions between the West and between China. And that's why I love having you on because you you live it, you're there, you're making your career out of being a journalist. You were a journalist in Europe for many years, <clears throat> working for multiple networks. You've obviously written this tremendous book. Um, but when, when I don't know if you were paying attention uh, during sort of the lead up to the Olympics and the, and the Peng Shui story, and then just the overall Olympic games and the human rights issues that China is facing So, I mean, it was it was a groundswell constantly of, you know, somebody like me who's, you know, just a tennis guy and just being asked to come on CNN and different networks and talk about it and putting this pressure on China. And is there a tipping point? You know, the WTA taking this, quote unquote, moral stand is I know China just probably couldn't care less Right, I mean, the, the the economy is so huge; it's so big. Tennis is a <clears throat> very small part of it. But what what does someone like you think about that? Who sees the business side? You focus so much on sports, politics, and business that intersection. What does someone like you think about? Is is this ever going to change the behavior, or should it, of the Chinese? government, the communist system over there? Is this something that could actually impact them? You know, the NBA got a lot of criticism here in the U.S. for not standing up to China, for, for sort of kowtowing to them uh, the Houston rocket story of a couple of years ago. Where do you come down on that whole debate?
1: Well, let me just talk about the NBA for a second, because you mentioned, you made a great point there, uh, the NBA got absolutely crucified globally and in the U.S., yet they were so, you know, seen as, as being so uh, offensive, basically, to, to the Chinese state with with their stance, that it took them effectively two and a half years before they were back on the national broadcast. So it's like, there is no middle ground anymore. You know, if you've pissed off the Chinese side to the point where you are completely And Basketball was a massive, massive sport. The NBA was huge. You know, Yao Ming, but even before that, people were, were big basketball fans in China. Um, yet their stance was seen somehow as kowtowing in the US. It's like, you know, you try to, to, to tread this middle ground, or even they thought they were kind of uh, standing up for free speech, and that backfired massively. So, so it's like, that was when this the China story and the implications of of dealing with China, I think, really burst onto the global stage. That was the first time that this had become a global story. And, and, And I write about this in the book, that it brands sometimes often out of sports fashion brands or um uh, you know hotel brands airlines they'd made some sort of faux pas as china would see it for perhaps uh, you know they they'd listed taiwan as a separate country on their website or they right. you know had said something that was seen as offensive to to chinese people online and so they had to issue an apology now the playbook back then was you issue an apology in chinese you put it out on chinese social media you keep your head down for two three months. You move on, and then someone else is in the firing line, and you're kind of back to normal. The NBA story was the first time there was global attention; a global spotlight was shined on this, and so your actions in China for the first time were seen from a Western perspective in in the West of the world, and so you were no longer able to play different sides and 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 have one message to the US and have one message uh, to, to China. And I think that you know that that's just. A reality. And so where we are now in terms of, uh, you know, the business implications of of Peng Shui and all these different things, I try as best as I can to kind of keep my own personal opinion out of it and just sort of think, well, what are the implications of this? The WTA has taken a stand. They have basically said, we're not playing in China indefinitely until we get some resolution, some sort of answer, right? Which we're not going to get, right? That obviously puts a lot of pressure on the ATP because if they uh, come back to China, they'll be seen as 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 being traitors to the women's. There'll be there'll be a huge reputational backlash if the men's tour comes back to China. Particularly, a lot of the uh, the men's players spoke out, even if the tour didn't. The men's players spoke out in defence of, of Peng Shui. Then you've got the NBA thing and the issues that they've had. You've got the the Premier League. Uh, they've had a couple of players who who have tweeted uh, about the the situation in Xinjiang and human rights and and the Uyghurs and so on. And so, a lot of sports brands are beginning to think: Is China worth the trouble? Right.
0: Well, that's, yes, yeah, it's the
1: biggest. Right. Yes, it's the biggest market in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, in an ideal situation, we would want to engage with China. Uh, but we don't really think to your, to your earlier question we don't really think we're going to change china mm-hmm. uh, the government's not going to suddenly be like oh sure yeah let's let's kind of you know adopt what we see as this western perspective right. of human rights um so so something's you know, got to
0: give right i mean something's got something to give something has to give
1: yeah um and right now china is beginning to lose out you know i say that as someone who's who's made a career in China for the past 15 years, it's desperately disappointing and frustrating uh, for me to see that. But if you have the Premier League sort of thinking, you know what? China's great, but maybe is a better market for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's pivot to, to other nations. Um, when China sets itself up as China versus the world, mm. the world is always going to win. It's just a bigger market, you know, and, and you, it's your home market for all these brands. If it was China versus India versus, you know, individual markets, then right. sure. But it's it's not. Everything is is viewed from a global perspective through a global lens today. And that is where we are.
0: Yeah, it sounds like China has always thought of it, you know, we're going to show everybody and we got the, mil- the economic might. Well, we know not have the military might too, but just from the standpoint of sports that they've got so much uh, uh, economic clout that they could sort of dictate the terms, and it seems like that tide is starting to just just. I'm not gonna say it's turn, but it's evolving right now. And with COVID happening, um, you know, I said this during the when the pandemic was at its highest here. You know, I didn't go to Wimbledon. Wimbledon didn't happen. You 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 know this well. You covered it. You were there. You're English. Uh, you know, the world went on. Life continued right without Wimbledon. It didn't happen in in 2020. And, and, you know, the rest of the world just went on. I mean, if if, if all of a sudden there's no tennis in China, guess what? There's still going to be tennis. Tennis is still going to happen. I want to ask you this before I let you go, and you've already given me a tremendous amount of time and just unbelievable, um, unbelievable stuff, Mark, is just announced here today in the U.S. You probably heard this because you cover all sports, that the women's soccer team is going to be getting – the same uh, payments from the U.S. Soccer Federation that the men's team are getting uh, based on, you know, their, how they perform in the World Cup and how they've sold their own uh, uh, matches, their friendlies and so on. What's your take on that as someone who knows this sport inside out?
1: Well, from, from you know from a Chinese perspective, uh, it's actually kind of interesting. Historically, the women uh, in China have done much better than the, than the men. Not, not not universally, but kind of across the board. Definitely in tennis.
0: Women, Definitely in tennis. Uh,
1: certainly in close. tennis. Yeah. Uh, also in the Olympics. I think about you know maybe two thirds of, of of gold medals over the last number of, of Olympic Games have been won by women versus the men, which is pretty significant. Women's soccer, uh, um, some of your uh, listeners will remember that, that, that China got to the final against the US yes. um, just about a couple of decades ago. They've tailed off slightly, but the men's team has been awful mm-hmm. um, and continues to be awful. So the women are certainly much better. Um, one person who stands out again, probably not very well known over there, but Ting is a, is a volleyball player. Uh, she was playing professionally in Turkey, uh, reportedly making a million dollars. The first female player wow. globally to be making that kind of uh, salary. So far more higher profile than, than, um, than, than, than some of her male counterparts. So again, it's sports specific. There's some big stars in uh, uh, men's when it comes to, you know, ping pong and, and badminton and so on. But I think uh, actually uh, when it comes to the sporting sphere here, the women have, have certainly um, more than held their own. And so uh, you know, that, that's good to see. Uh, I think obviously um, parity in tennis, we've had parity for a long time. Um, it, with with some of the tournaments uh, taking a little bit longer than others right. to catch up, um, but uh, I think that that's certainly the way we're going, and good to see soccer uh, making steps in that direction as well.
0: All right, before I let you go, Mark, your prediction on when will we see professional tennis back in China?
1: That's probably one of the biggest. <laughs> the probably one of the hardest questions yep. to answer right now. That's what um, I asked. It. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm. Can you tell I'm stalling for time? Yes, I can. Um, Twenty twenty-five.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was, I was right there with you. Twenty twenty-five by the time this all blows over, COVID blows over, and may, maybe China relaxes things just a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I haven't been there in years. I've been there many times to play back in my playing days, but I haven't been there in a long time. Uh, but I think. I'll, I will, I will bow to you on that prediction. I'm with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, come back to me then and we'll see who who's right.
0: Sounds good. Mark Dreyer, everyone. You could follow him on Dryer China on Twitter. And again, his book sporting superpower and tell me, uh, tell the name of your podcast again. So everybody could follow that and check that out.
1: The China sports insider podcast,
0: China sports insider podcast. I, uh, Thank you so much for joining me. I know we pulled this together pretty quickly, so I appreciate it very much. And uh, anytime you want a little American vibe on your podcast, I'm available.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Uh, Massively enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me on.
0: You got it. Mark Dreyer here on Holding Court.
1: Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.